electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, back together at the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, Pre-market is a little soft as the number of sell-side firms cutting their U.S. equity outlook now grows to nearly half a dozen. Meantime, more firms cutting Q3 guidance on supply chain challenges. Today, it's Pulte Home and Sherwin-Williams. Our roadmap this morning begins with Coinbase, though, versus the SEC facing legal action. Coinbase firing back, accusing the regulator of, quote, sketchy behavior and of making a land grab. Plus, car wars, Ford poaches the head of Apple's top secret car project and a former Tesla executive. And betting on payments, JPM and PayPal announcing some new deals in that space. We'll get to it. Uh, but first, Jim, great to have you back after a, a long Thank absence. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. I know yeah. you were talking with Joe a moment ago about all the sell-side desks that are cutting their targets for either at the end of this year or next year. Yeah, I mean, Bank of America is probably the most threatening, which says this may not end now, but when it ends, it could end badly. When I read that, what it does is basically say September's been weak, uh, historically. Not a good month at all. October's been a bottom. I think a lot of people are trying to anticipate that. If all the strategists anticipate something, then it tends not to happen. So while I am understandably cautious because the month is a, it, it has not been a good month, you know, David, one of the things we've learned about the strategists is that if they speak in unison, perhaps we should be worrying about something else. <laughs> Typically, it may already, the concern may already have passed. Right. Well, we know or, that a lot of stocks, I mean, the S&P obviously has not had a very big turn. No. In a long time. No. Well, how concerned are you then about a significant slowdown in economic growth that is actually going to be reflected perhaps in earnings and therefore possibly in a discounted S&P price? Well, I think there are influences of inflation. Sherwin-Williams, as you mentioned, Pulte has some things that are actually an outlier versus what Toll told me a couple weeks ago. Uh, PPG at Force Majeure and a lot of things. But in the end, uh, David, the remarkable staying power of technology has kept this market afloat. And I don't think that changes. Meaning the leadership stays kind of the same? Look, I can say that Netflix is going to have a great quarter. I think Netflix Alphabet, obviously had an incredible week last incredible week, week, you guys, but it was right. one, of its great, one of its greatest weeks. But obviously catching up because it has been a laggard throughout the year. Right. Uh, uh, Apple had a good week last week. I, week. I know we've already had a trading day this, this week. I'm uh, not forgetting With that, the 13 but, uh, meeting coming up, Apple 13. And then, right. well, look, let's just say it as it is. Let's talk about a company that people had written off when Jeff Bezos stepped up. I think people are starting to realize that Jassy's the real deal. And that Amazon, with the Delta variant, Carl, in Europe, where I was, 70% vaccinated, green pass to get in for a gelato. I mean, green pass being two vaccinations. Uh, uh, Amazon, everywhere. It's really kind of freaky. <laughs> uh, everywhere. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about, like, there were boxes of Amazon. Every single, I mean, Jassy, underrated, 
Amazon Web Services is doing well. So uh, I'm positive on Microsoft. They, they make an acquisition. People go rah, rah. So you've got in maybe 30% of the S&P. That's true. Yeah, and today Guggenheim, for example, takes Alphabet to 3,400 <laughs> uh, from 3,140. Uh, and uh, you mentioned Netflix, JPM, adding to their price target hike on Atlantic yesterday going to 780. So, yeah, but what you're saying is the cyclical trade is not is not what you want. Well, I think I was listening to, to uh, Brian Sullivan this morning at 5, and he was uh, talking to an analyst, talking about the idea that you can, should you really own the five times earnings, which is... Uh, by the way, Newcore and Cleveland Cliffs, which I have on tonight. And I think the answer is, is that at five times earnings, you're pretty much expecting what happened to Sherwin-Williams today and what happened to PPG yesterday. So I am not sanguine because September is a tough month and because there are a lot of people who like to sell ahead of October, as foolish as I think that is. Uh, but I, obviously, if you don't get... If you do not get stimulus, there'll be people who are upset. And if you get stimulus, there'll be people upset because of inflation because, frankly... Uh, anybody, as, as Mr. Bullard said, anybody wants a job, get a job. So I think that the, you've got the inflation people on one side, and they're ready to pounce. And then you got the people who say, slow down, they're ready to pounce. Let them pounce, you know? Let them pounce. Uh, I remember uh, I used to go to the dog track all the time, and that mechanical rabbit, sometimes it falls off, and the dogs pounce. But let me tell you something. <laughs> David, yes. there's nothing to eat on a mechanical rabbit. You got that? There's something to take away this morning. Jim. There's always some wisdom that you share with us, Jim, and I will remember that one. Right? I'll think about that tonight. There goes Swifty. Swifty got no meat. Before I fall asleep. Yeah. That's what I'll use to sort of put myself to sleep, imagining that meatless rabbit. I really like that approach. Yeah. Yeah. I had a spaghetti, midnight spaghetti. Did you really? Well, that's a big tradition in Italy. If you have a party, it's a party for an associate. 12 o'clock, all the men go in and make spaghetti. I like that. Yeah, one day you'll join me in a midnight spaghetti party. I would like to do that as well. I don't really think that will happen, unfortunately, because yeah. no. these invitations, they kind of ha- they make it this far. Yeah, like olive oil. Yes. You never Actually, get my don't olive make oil. it all the way. We're not going to have a bumper crop of olive oil this year because of the weather. We're only do 120 beers versus 160. Oh. Yeah. But our wine will be ready next year. And it won't taste good. No, it won't. No. No. It's already deemed to not taste good. Yeah, that's not going to be good. <laughs> but that, that also, you don't need to send me a bottle of that wine. No, Thank no, you. you probably want to hold yeah. off on that. Yeah. Um, no, I, it's just not the finest. But, David, i got to tell you, come back. Come back fresh. Yes. And you realize yes. that there's this kind of endless negativity. I mean, I, when I read the strategist, I say... You know, it's been negative since the bottom, and maybe that's why we've had such a big run since March of last year when all hell was supposed to rain upon us. You really think it's been that negative? Yes. I mean, I can um, I mean, listen to people on our air during the course of the day. I don't think you would come away feeling The list has gotten longer. You got the taper now. You got the expiration of benefits. You got seasonality uh, on top of the... Um, right valuation and supply chain worries. Taper is never talked about in the context of larger bond buying. Now, the issuance is going to start, all right? Now, there's no doubt about that. But there is a, uh, a tremendous desire for treasuries, which are still relatively better valued versus anything from Japan, anything in Europe. Uh, Japan, by the way, we don't talk about Japan's red hot. How convenient that PayPal picks up a uh, one of these buy now, pay later outfits uh, for two point seven uh, billion. Uh, by the way, Square paid two twenty nine billion for afterpay. Yeah. So um, I think they probably have some uh, after remorse. Well, different. Bu- I mean, different size business. The PayPal, obviously, it's in Japan. It's but much it, smaller. It's 10 percent of the size, so to speak, in terms of what they're paying. 
But you know that PayPal, if it had been tied up with eBay, which everyone hit PayPal down to, what, 270 when they announced finally that they're almost done? Yes. PayPal can extend that. Yeah. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons why the stock is up. But I know pay later. I, it, one day when rates go up, David, that's not such a good strategy. It may not be. But right now, it's all the rage. I mean, we also saw a firm stock price soar when it announced that um, venture, I guess, for lack of right. a better term, with Amazon couple right. of weeks back. Oh, with a firm. Obviously, I try to got... speak with him. Max Levchin has always been one of my favorites. Uh, and they wrote him off, too. People write people off. And that is something that I think we have to remember. There are these CEOs that are constantly being written off. John Mark Benioff Benny was being written off because of the Slack acquisition. Um, J.D. Jassy. Great example. Yeah. When people think that Andy Jassy is a moron, I mean, the only thing that he's moronic about is that he likes the Giants. <laughs> Call it as we see it. He's a Jersey guy, right? Isn't he? Did anyone even draft a Giant? Maybe, or maybe, yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's not only he's a Jersey guy, but he's rabid. I think one of the reasons why Philadelphia didn't get the Amazon headquarters, he hates the Eagles. <laughs> oh my God. People think I'm kidding. This is direct insight. Wow. He hates the Eagles. And so, okay. I well, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the contributing factors. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I didn't mean, help. Didn't help. Yeah. Well, they went to Queens, and he didn't like the Jets. I don't know. So, <laughs> and then they didn't get it anyway because yeah. Queens didn't know what the heck it was doing. I like the Jets this year, just for the record. I, I don't do. want to mix too much. You think we're going to win draft. more than two games? I think, you're, I think that coach is – he takes no prisoners. All right. Give me a, we're we're going to talk some NFL. Give me a Jets win on. total before we move on to Coinbase. Just six. Give me Six. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll take that. Okay. Competitive division. Meanwhile, Coinbase is uh, down in the pre-market in a blog post. The crypto exchange says it has received a Wells notice from the SEC threatening a lawsuit over its planned product that would allow users to earn interest by lending crypto assets. As a result, Coinbase says it will delay the launch of its Lend product until at least October. Interesting thread uh, from Brian Armstrong. Some really sketchy behavior coming out of the SEC recently. And then he goes into what he calls story time. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about that. Uh, first of all, there's a man. There's a man named Gary Gibbs. He taught Bitcoin at MIT. Uh, he's a regular. I don't know who uh, uh, Armstrong's lawyers are, but this has got to be one. Of, this is this is more stupid than what Musk did. I mean, Musk p- poked fun. This is actually saying, as remember the CFO Haas said, we got a school Gensler. My contacts within the SEC are not happy about this. And I don't want to call it moronic. I'm going to leave it at one of the most stupid things I've ever seen. Really? Wait, what part of it is stupid? Publicly putting uh, oh, this sketchy? out? On- calling, calling Gensler sketchy? David, David, this is not... This is not Harvard versus Yale. Understood. I, clearly, Mr. Armstrong is frustrated, saying that they're being threatened with legal action before a single bit of actual guidance has been given to the industry and the products. You know what's a good strategy? Now, typically, Shutting you would, up. Yeah, typically you would, be, you would be advised by counsel, I would think, to not air well, your grievances publicly with the SEC. Remember what Haas said, CFO? No. Tell said me. He- we have to school the SEC. Oh, right. I do remember that. Sorry. Yes, I remember what she said. Having yes. you know, known the SEC yes. and people who know, are in the SEC and that, a lot of people who went to law school with me in the SEC, they don't take kindly to being told that they need to be schooled. And the difference between Coinbase and the SEC is the SEC has unlimited firepower. If they deem this thing a security, which I think Gensler's going to do, then it really doesn't matter. You know, I don't care if people think that they have a sketchy behavior. They're a regulator. Uh, uh, they're regulated. And that's they regulate Coinbase. So uh, 
I think Gary, and I've known Gary for 20 years, uh, is probably the most sophisticated of regulators. So the idea that Brian Armstrong, obviously a self-interested man, wants to take on the SEC, what does he think? What is it, like a street fight? Sharks? Jets? All he's asking for is some clarity. He just wants some clarity for them so they understand that is so what, wrong, David. the world that they're operating what, in. Some really sketchy behavior coming out of the SEC. Clarity? Why not say, listen, I'm been, not sure about this. Those, those may have been ill-chosen words, and you're right. It may, they may suboptimal choice they may and an ill-advised strategy. suffer consequences from doing that. But at the same time, you could understand perhaps their frustration in being well, why don't they not tell understanding their what it is they're supposed to do. Well, you don't air your frustra- frustration in a tweet Gary Gensler? Well, I assume if you believe the SEC has to operate in a political framework to some degree, he may be trying to sway enough public opinion to pressure the SEC into altering their behavior. I I think the idea of pressuring the SEC, it's easier to pressure the uh, Southeast Conference, that SEC, than it is, which, by the way, some teams look pretty good there, David, than it is the the actual SEC. And I, I think it's a shameful behavior, frankly. I think it's shameful. I think that there should be respect for the regulators. I think that this shows a, a contempt for the regulators that is not right. I think that these are people in government who are serving and doing a very good job. And to trash them publicly in Twitter and on air is not just ill-advised, but it's saying, listen, we want war. And I got you can't go to war with the regulators. They're always going to have the last word. So I think Armstrong should choose his words more wisely, take back that tweet, and understand you can't go to war against the man who might regulate what about the product itself? Do you, do you think it is suspect? I, look, I think that... I'll give you a good example. I don't think it matters what I think. I think that it makes sense to land, be able to lend against. What matters is Gensler, and that's where they're making a big mistake. Now, had they sit down with Gensler and Gensler explained his position rather than schooling Gensler, I think it would be good. But I, imagine if, imagine if Jamie, Jamie Dimon said... You know what? The SEC's got sketchy behavior, and i got to school him. David, who regulates J.P. Morgan? The Fed. And? SEC? Yes. I think well, the, Jim, the Fed Jamie Dimon called Gensler the Fed's a bozo. In there every day. They got a lot of people Gen- who, who live at J.P. Morgan. Gensler is a bozo, yeah. and he doesn't know anything, and yeah. good luck to him. Yeah. But no. Sketchy behavior. David. Jamie Dimon, A, has more credibility if he were to actually choose to publicly lament something. It would be taken perhaps more seriously because he's Jamie Dimon, probably the singular guy in the financial services industry. Secondly, probably would know enough not to do that. And why why do you want to choke? Because Musk makes cars and he can poke fun. These guys make finance. No fun. Gensler taught this at MIT. He's going to school them. Welcome back, Cotter. <laughs> your, your dreams were your ticket out, Doesn't right? take long, does it, for him to do that to me? <laughs> to treat me in an up, in, a, in, in what I regard to be a contemptuous way? Never. Never. No. No. Really? No, of course not. I, I never do that. No? no? How come you didn't get the Jeffrey job in the end? That's oh. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's not over. You were the best. Thank you. It's you not know? over. How about, it's not over. Yeah, well, Tate, what be. happened to Matt? I don't know. Yeah, you don't know? Matt, of course, was one of the superstars, and then David oh, leaves, yes. and Matt's done. No, I, Matt went on. He's in the new season. Is he? Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, we're going into extra innings well, on that one. All I can tell you that's the most exciting thing that's happened to me in 2021 <laughs> was watching David conduct Oh, my Jeffrey. God. 
It was. Thank That's you. why I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> it's good, good to have both of you guys back. Take a look at the futures. As we said, a little bit soggy this morning as we are in a holiday-shortened week. We'll talk a little bit Apple after the break. Uh, not just the uh, car personnel, but uh, this call from Katie Huberty from Morgan Stanley. We're back in a moment. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Apple's up on the pre-market after hitting that record high yesterday when it announced a September 14th event in which new iPhones are expected to be launched. Meantime, Ford has announced it has hired away Doug Field from Apple to lead the automaker's emerging technology efforts. Field had been working on Apple's secret car project. Interesting, there's been some reporting out there that uh, Tim Cook wants to launch some new category before he starts even thinking about an exit. But this is an interesting personnel move. Yeah, I always felt that if Tim Cook was really interested in auto, he should, have, he should never have let Samsung get Harman because Harman is the entertainment guts, and that was a way to be able to really uh, integrate Apple uh, as well as, you know, much better than integrating Apple the way that Ted Lasso calls and says, Siri, please turn on the music. Uh, actually, of course, that was not. That was... That was Roy Kent, Roy Kent. This is what I care about. This man, Field, it's not about Apple. David, it's about Tesla. He had a light Tesla. He wants to wipe the floor with Tesla. Yes, He's coming you, after Tesla. You've shared that before. That now you're talking Field. about Field. Ford versus Tesla. Field. Not versus Ferrari, versus Tesla. <laughs> Great movie. Under, uh, very underrated. Very good. It was good. Um, Field is not a fan of Tesla. Kind of wants to go back to Ford to be able to remember he started Ford. Go back to Ford to be able to prove that the Ford uh, electronic uh, fleet that they've got, yeah. including the F-150, is better than Tesla. And don't forget the Mach E5, the Mustang. So I think that this is a grudge match. I know a lot of people instantly say, are you kidding me? Ford can never touch Musk. I think, remember, people seem to forget that Ford is going up against what I regard to be uh, some sort of space age pickup that... I don't know, David, when you've seen the pickup, the Tesla pickup, does that not remind you of like some sort of like Flintstone mobile or something? Bam, bam. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a pickup guy, so I'm probably the last person you should rely on to decide what is. I can't talk to him. I had a Super Duty 350. I could run over David and then reverse and run over him again. But that's not why why would I want to do that? I don't think you'd want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. But anyway, I think that Ford is is a pickup truck company. And this is a genius move because Field was obviously someone Apple didn't want to get away. And uh, apparently he's great, but he's motivated not to hurt Apple. It's all about Musk. Interesting. 
Uh, we'll talk more about the App Store headlines as well, which is what Katie Huberty addresses in her note this morning. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash and countdown to the opening bell when we get started on this Wednesday morning. Don't go anywhere. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, we're getting ready for an opening bell on this, uh, what day? It's Wednesday already. When's something? How'd that happen? I don't look at me. I don't make a I will not look at you. Uh, but what do you want to do for a mad dash? Okay, at least Andy, your first of the week. No stock was down 30 points at one point yesterday, Chipotle. All right. Now, that's the first real decline that we've had on the March to 2000. Uh, and this is one I've liked since 300. Why? Because have you had the cauliflower rice? That explains everything. Cowan makes it a top pick. And what people don't did 27% margins, which is insane. 2,250 price target, which I think is totally doable. But this is what's caught my eye. David, they're thinking about doing, they can do three. What is so, what are you last snickering I mean, about? It was funny. The John Oliver thing, you had to watch that. It was fun. And it's reminding it me how much you loved Chipotle. The Oliver thing was brilliant. It was pretty fun. It was brilliant. But and it's uh, you and me, and you're very upset yeah, with me, Chipotle, of course, because I continue not to eat Chipotle. Right. Well, I just don't understand that at all. I think I'll have it today in your honor. $3 million in, unit fat, in units they think they can do. Okay. David, $2 million is a gigantic amount. So $3 million a unit. Yeah, remember, they yes. own. I've always felt that this is a better model than franchise. No offense to franchisees out there. But, David, if they can do $3 million, I mean, no one's ever come close to that. So let me just say that if they can do $3 million per unit and they open all the units they're thinking about, let's say 500, 600 units, well, there's no reason to set to stop at 2,200. So I'm giving this the green light. You are. Yes, I am. You still love it. More than ever. You love the way the company operates and executes. Yes. And you love the food. They understood everything because they had a problem, obviously, with airborne illness. They were so ready for COVID. And they have make lines. Throughput's amazing. Their digital is as good as their in-store. Nobody has that. So when in-store is really wide open after Delta, and I think there is such a thing as after Delta, well, then they can do $3 million and we'll be buzzing about it. All right. There it is. Chipotle obviously had a very nice move since what we more or less call the beginning of the it, pandemic. Yeah. What? No. Your no. suit doesn't... It's not a suit. We've got it's an opening two bell. Suits. I, it's it, a <laughs> denim suit and a, and a, and it's a brioni. Just keep your shot from here. Stan's got two suits on. No, I don't. I look good. Thank you. I look By good. the way, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Don't listen to him, though. Well, you can't Just see Just follow the uh, Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. How do you You'll have to hear a little bit of Jim as well during the course of it. All right, we're back in about four minutes with an opening bell. We were mentioning a moment ago the move of that uh, engineering chief from Apple to Ford. Uh, the other big note on Apple today comes from Katie Huberty and Morgan Stanley, specifically about the App Store headlines uh, that, in her words, Jim, have more bark than bite. I know, but, but it, it's a contradictory note herself. More bark than bite is the headline, but then actually talks about a slowdown. Uh, uh, service revenue slowdown. Uh, and even though Apple is going to be able to handle these changes with uh, uh, developers being able to circumvent uh, the payment system, in the near term, App Store is trending lower than our forecast other than ad sales. Now, we know that the upside has been this revenue stream. 
So I did not get comfort when I read this note. And, you know, Katie is very much on board, but she's a straight shooter, and I, I felt this note would have caused the stock to go down a lot. She does reiterate the overweight, uh, stays at 168. Uh, we'll watch Apple today, obviously, coming off a record highs. There's the opening bell and the CNBC real-time exchange at the big board today. It's space technology company Redwire celebrating its listing via SPAC at the NASDAQ Biotech Omega Therapeutics. One thing we haven't touched on yet was what happened to Bitcoin yesterday and crypto in general uh, on some of the headlines about this rollout in El Salvador. we got the president tweeting in the middle of the day about buying the dip. Uh, sort of a new chapter in how we monitor yeah. crypto. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, let's just say that I think that there is going to be border acceptance, uh, Starbucks, you know, there's a lot of recognition there in the end. Visa is going to have to offer more than the product it currently does. Obviously, PayPal, we didn't really talk that much, I think, about what they're doing in Japan. But there's a nice confluence, which led me to believe that it was some sort of technical glitch, Carl, and not a decline. Um, now, I expect Mike Novogratz, you know, I know he's been talking, to have more insight onto the actual glitch. But the fact is, is that El Salvador's, uh, we, we may think, well, wait a second, dismiss that. But what happens if they're the beginning of a trend? I mean, right now they're an outlier. Other countries are watching. I think that it could be, David, I think that there could be people who say, you know what, this is a great way to stabilize and prove that our economy is better than you think by, uh, and, and head off uh, hyperinflation. It's possible, uh, certainly. Right. The Venezuelans actually kind of went to the dollar, which has helped them. They've a little bit of a different, not Bitcoin. Uh, and unofficially, but they're basically a dollar-based economy now. And actually, Venezuela, thankfully, is doing a little bit better. Remember, they were in the midst of a humanitarian crisis in that country for a very long period of time. We need to People speak to Mike Worth, right? We need to speak Mike Worth, CEO. We need to speak to Schlumberger. We need the people, the pe- to the peeps that were stiffed by Venezuela. Right. So. You're to, obviously, they're one, remember, they're one area of... of of export, which largest is oil. repository of oil in the world. Yeah, and they, every year that they're every year the output is declined. But as for whether other smaller countries somehow move to Bitcoin, Jim, I well, if if I, we're going to start building entire social network or support networks, government support networks on Bitcoin, then the, the risks to the downside will grow. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, look, I, look, I let's get to the point. It's about China. I mean, uh, President Xi was acting more and more like a truly like a fascist dictator. Uh, if he, he obviously does not like Bitcoin. He doesn't like property value. He doesn't like some things that he said about uh, TV male TV hosts that I won't. Even, I will not even. I will not even go there because it was so disrespectful. Uh, and then again, uh, the, the common prosperity, Carl. If you're rich there, um, you got to lay low. But um, yeah, we got we, fresh headlines today out of state media. Uh, Chinese government asking gaming firms to be responsible for minors' physical and mental health. Uh, will severely punish firms that are found to not adequately implement those regulations. Well, this is a declaration against disorderly uh, capital capitalism, and I think that one of the things that we're, we may not real, realize is that. Again, rolling back pre Deng Xiaoping, you talked about that. Uh, there is a belief, I think, in China that it's time to end or regulate ride sharing, uh, school tutoring, food delivery, 
uh, and having a, an ideological repudiation of a whole era is rather incredible. FinTech, Internet. I, so I don't think it's going to get better in China. I think it's going to get worse. Meanwhile, of course, another flyover Taiwan the other day. I mean, it's rather extraordinary what they're doing in terms of, of Taiwan. And they're talking about big capital. I, I, these are all the, all the buzzwords, David, of yep. revolution, frankly. It's interesting listening to you. Uh, George Soros has been outspoken on this of late. I think he tends to agree with your point of view yep. that uh, there are no human rights there uh, and probably no property rights. Uh, and he views she in a similar way. And then there's been pushback from the likes of perhaps even Larry Fink, no. or Ray Dalio. Um, yeah, opportunities calling it. Say again? The opportunity right now. I mean, yes. to me, I, look, I think, he, I think he's terrific. I come back, though, and I say that when you have someone calling online gaming spiritual opium, again, these are the kinds of things which just, they're fighting words, so to speak. Yeah. Um, just to remind people, because they probably don't remember, George Soros was a heck of an investor. Maybe the greatest ever. Yeah, that's true. In terms that's of what true. he really was able to do in, in right. real returns, by right. the way. Uh, not no, risk managed, no. real returns, and also charged uh, fees that were below the average. I think he was like 2% for a long time. Yeah. Just that straight 2%. Then I think he went to, what was it, 1% management fee and 15% of the profits. Right. But, but he's great. But created, obviously, a great fortune. He's a very, you know, he's uh, seen as a controversial figure. But when it comes yeah. to this stuff, you still may want to listen. I, I think that we have to find things that are common ground. And I've got it. Uh, she is against celebrity watching. <laughs> I think it's a Kardashian thing. Okay. We get a summit we, going on that one. No more Kardashians in oh, China I mean, or in general? I think he's got a point there. I mean, you know, what, what value do they have? Well, common prosperity. Three hours a week now, if you're under 18, of a video game watching. Only one hour a day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, Manly TV anchors. Right. Yeah, I didn't um, the uh, no more uh, paying for uh, tutoring. Right. Uh, well, there was rich poor there. Um, you know, are they in a new? Have they moved to a? I mean, there was a, lo- a long article this weekend about it. I forget it was the Journal of the Times. In terms of China's next move here is to really rein in the ultra wealthy and try right. to create common prosperity in a real way and attack the inequalities that obviously we also suffer in this country in a different way. Who has more hundred people who make hundred thousand? Us or them? I don't know. Them. Chinese. Uh, Cashin's view is right. Cashin's view is that that she's been monitoring uh, food inflation and is aware of the pernicious effects of long-term inflation on the food side. And property inflation. I think he's willing to uh, have some banks fail. Uh, Obviously, we know how he feels about crypto. I, look, he has, to, he has to be watched. There are ways to be able to, to change Taiwan. You just creep in. You take over some islands. Uh, I'm waiting for uh, President Biden to respond to a, a, the flyover, which included, what, five nuclear air, uh, aircraft that can carry nuclear weapons. These are all an escalation that we seem to be uh, ignoring as best as we can because of that dual relationship with Taiwan. I say watch it, watch it, watch it. Speaking of the White House, um, we're going to monitor the House, which is now set debate on the spending bill. And we're going to watch uh, any reaction from Senator Manchin. Meantime, the Times has a piece out that the White House today will announce plans to uh, set a goal of producing nearly half of our electricity from the sun. 
by 2050 as part of their effort to combat climate change? No, again, I, not to belabor my guest tonight, but I happen to think he's one of the visionaries, Cleveland Cliffs, Gonsal, I don't know if you know him, Gonsalves, you know that guy? Yeah. Well, when you yeah. look at his handout, people forget that wind and solar use a huge amount of steel. And these are uh, what I think to be um, secular gains for steel that we've not had in years. By the way, there's a steel renaissance in our country. Uh, it's about the best time it's ever been for steel, and even to the point where we can handle the imports. But you, look, when you look at a windmill, David, yes, you know that, that's not made of plastic. No. Made of steel. Yes. What are you looking at? Uh, <laughs> I'm looking uh, at a, uh, a filing uh, from uh, a, a SPAC. What does that have to do with steel? Well, I'm trying to prepare for something I wanted to discuss, but you should feel free to Are finish you your point. Spack? Yes, okay. I'm going to talk about something Mr. Gensler is probably needs to focus on at the SEC. Do you as want to well. school Gensler? No, not at all. Thank you. Is not this one all. of the six space backs, perhaps? It is not. This one is actually uh, called Deep Green Metals. The uh, ticker, though, is SOAC. And the deal was approved to acquire Deep Green Metals. But in fact, this goes to a trend I've been talking about a lot lately, which is the enormous percentage of shareholders who choose to redeem, leaving companies with far less cash than they originally anticipated when they put their deal together and when they drew out, when they thought they would get to profitability. This is particularly of interest to companies that are in their early growth stages. Many of them, of course, we know are planning to go public through SPACs. Uh, And in this case, the company had expected to have as much as $570 million, Jim, when they emerged in their public form, de so to speak. Um, but with 91% of shareholders saying, we want our 10 bucks back, How uh, they, they only took in $27.2 million from the trust versus what was obviously going to be a lot more. And then two-thirds of their pipe holders, remember the uh, private investment in public equity comes along with when they announced their transaction. Two-thirds of them said, we're not funding. So they're suing their pipe holders. And the big they, ones, they mean the usual gang? I don't Fidelity, know who it was. Yeah, I'm not sure who the names were here. They wind up with what was is $173 million, $137 million, excuse me, in cash. That's prior to transaction fees. Versus what did they expect? $570 million. Oh, my. This is a and favorite by the way, I don't even know what their uh, their transaction fees could much be, 56 million bucks. And I, I guess the point here is... We want more transparency, but we also need to understand that in many of these cases where they don't meet the minimum cash requirement, which is $250 million, so they're coming in well below that, um, the companies are going to have to issue equity, Jim. They're going to have to dilute current shareholders to, you, to raise more cash to actually try to implement their business plan, one would expect. If you went in saying we want, we're going to have $570 million in cash, and in fact you're going to have, who knows, $100 million, that's a, that's a big well, differential. Let me ask. One of the things this is really, happening more, more often than not. One of the things uh, that bothers me about SPACs, there's no real reason. You are, for all intents and purposes, the only source on this. So people own this. There's nothing like you're going to well, dial stock, up a Goldman Sachs one of these report, stocks that, No, it's one of these stocks that went up again because the float is so much less than people anticipated. So you can't short it, and you got to cover if you were short. And so that's why they had that move. The mechanics aren't working correctly. No, they're not. They're, it's an interesting area that we're in with SPACs. So many trading below 10, such high levels of redemption, far less cash being available to the company once it de-SPACs. Uh, and so, yeah, I keep reporting on it because no, I think to. it's interesting. Well, I think we all remember the Michael Sembolis report, uh, Eye on the Market from uh, J.P. Morgan, where he said this is going to lead to basically to a crash and Anybody who bought these in the public markets right now 
is with an S&P that's been so hot. It's just been crushed. It's a shame. Um, we got a lot of deals this morning, too, Jim. I'm sure you've seen some of them. This, this Cadman, uh, Sanofi buying yeah. that. Big premium. Uh, stock's up a lot. So nine, $9.50 is the actual deal. It's all cash. Um, it's going to require a shareholder vote. Kind of an interesting part of it as well is, uh, is um, uh, that Sanofi actually is reserving the right. I want to find this here. Um, where is that? Again, back to my uh, SEC filings. They include that if they get a, uh, a, for, a standard form letter from the Federal Trade Commission in the form announced and disclosed by the FTC, remember they said that they reserve the right to send form letters even after deals have closed yes. saying, don't be so sure, we can still come after you. And they put this in here uh, that, in fact, Sanofi would basically have the right to walk if they even get one of those form letters. That's kind of weird yeah, it is. Um, for this Cadman. Unclear whether they will get a form letter, although it's a form letter. So it's pretty easy for the FTC to send these. And it would seem to give Sanofi the right to, if they want to, to walk. So something to keep in mind there. But a big premium, although I'm seeing a couple of, uh, of analysts, Jim, who had even higher price targets for uh, KDMN. Well, um, the, the company being acquired. You know, transplants increasingly more just a regular uh, part of the tools of doctors, but the prices that some of these companies are paying because they have worrisome patent cliffs or they haven't developed these. You know, Sanofi was not able to pull it off with, remember with GlaxoSmithKline in terms of doing great vaccine company and they weren't able to do one. And, yep. Uh, obviously, the companies that got vaccines into the marketplace are doing far better than the ones that don't. Uh, this company needs to do something. That's my thinking. It needs to do something. Now, how do you feel about Glaxo and then Moms with Elliot? How do you feel about it? Uh, I should ask you how you feel about it, because I don't really have a feeling the, on it. The pressure's being ratcheted up in a way that has to make uh, Dame Wamsley very, very, uh, let's say, uh, I don't, I'm not saying annoyed. I'm not saying threatened. But let's just say uh, Elliot has basically said she's done badly and we need a total shakeup. Uh, but it is a British crown jewel. You know, see, it's not like you know, it's kind of like Arm Holdings, another British crown jewel, except for Nvidia is offering, I think, a lot to be able to keep them, uh, make the British feel better. But I think we have to watch GlaxoSmithKline. I think it's going to get real ugly, really ugly. And Elliot, I think, raises a number of good points. But uh, Glaxo's got to come out swinging. They got to come out and say, "Listen, here's the way it is. Our stock's not doing nearly as bad as you think. And look what we've come up with." But they've been too silent, or let's just say, too passive. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of, we got downgrades yesterday of J&J, Amgen, Merck. That was uh, something. Where people just waiting for, got to shake up the space. I was just shocked that Jay, this was kind of a stagflation call. J&J continues to go down. Uh, J&J had been loved. So I thought that was very meaningful. Yeah. Overall, a bit of a mixed uh, market this morning. We are getting some help from energy, uh, up a percent on the S- uh, S&P as oil gets close to 69.50. Let's get to Bob Fasani. Hey, Bob. Good morning, guys. Uh, Happy Wednesday. Important thing here is uh, it's a flattish open. Carl's right. But supply chain issues are going on longer than anticipating, starting to weigh on the market. Take a look at the sectors here. Materials a bit on the weak side. Uh, Tech, which has been a market leader for a while, uh, also slightly on the weak side. Consumer discretionary flattish. Banks have been moving sideways for months now and haven't been able to get much traction at all. So you see a flattish open. But beneath that, I would call this so far Great numbers, strong demand everywhere, but kind of story. And but mostly is around labor and supply chain issues. So the big discussion today was around Sherwin-Williams and what they were talking about. And they did emphasize they've had terrific demand, straw demand. But 
raw material availability is not improving. So in the second quarter, their sales were impacted 3.5% negatively because of inability to get raw materials. In the third quarter, now they're saying sales are going to be impacted in the high single digit. This is going on longer than people anticipated. And we've seen this. We saw this yesterday with PPG. Same thing. What are they doing? They're adding a 4% price surcharge, but they made it very clear through the end of the year, they'll add more or keep going if they have to. In other words, right now, they still have pricing power. So that's helping them out a little. And that's probably the reason the stock is only down about 3%. But nonetheless, the fact that all of a sudden now we're into the third quarter and possibly the fourth quarter with this going on uh, is starting to become an issue. We've seen that out there. Same thing with the home builders. Great demand. We still see it out there. Pulte came out and emphasized we have strong demand. But look what they're talking about. They had lower closings than expected. Why? Well, it wasn't because the demand was lower. They had supply chain issues. They've had problems with getting materials. They've got labor shortages that are out there. So the the, the home builders, uh, they're down today. But if you watch them, they topped out in May. Uh, but still, their overall numbers have been very strong recently. So look what's going on underpinning the rally. We've had record earnings. We've had record margins and we've had low interest rates and strong revenue growth. This supply chain problem eats away at the edges, not dramatically, but it starts to eat away at the edges uh, of the margin story and the strong earnings growth story. And that's why the market's a little bit on edge. The reason we're holding up so well is what you're seeing right here. Technology continues to see earnings estimates go up. Why? Because Technology wins if there's more COVID or loses does it? And, and wins if there's less COVID. That's what's going on, essentially. So today, 28% growth in third quarter earnings for technology. A few, uh, two months ago, 22%. That's a strong increase. This is the largest sector. It drags everyone up. Communication services also up. Healthcare, another generally associated with the growth category. Got a lot of biotech in there. Same situation. 14% growth today for the third quarter. It was essentially 7% going back to July 1st. Because you have, Carl, these incremental increases every week in the earnings estimates for the biggest sectors, the S&P continues to hold up very well. And, Carl, I have never seen so much interest in people trying to figure out whether earnings estimates are going up or going down <laughs> on a week-by-week basis. Only me and six other people in the world used to ever watch this on a weekly basis. Now it's a part of the conversation Every single day. Carl, back to you. Fascinating. Thanks, Bob. Uh, Bob Pisani. Before we go to break, let's take a look at the bond report, uh, see how Treasuries are faring this morning. Uh, We are going to get a 10-year note auction uh, this afternoon. We'll watch that. 136 right now. Also, Yellen has sent a letter to House leadership uh, about the debt limit, says the most likely outcome is that cash and extraordinary measures will be exhausted during the month of October. We're back in a moment. Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan reportedly made multiple stock trades of a million dollars or more last year. The journal cites some financial disclosures provided by his bank. They show that Kaplan's moves are in contrast with other regional Fed leaders who reported more modest holdings and smaller transactions. Good discussion on Squawk today with Richard Fisher, formerly of the Dallas Fed, about how there are strict rules and how you do want some market experts to balance out the academics on the committee. I used to handle the uh, finances of a St. Louis Fed president. Uh, when I was at Goldman Sachs. And I would say, listen, I think we got to buy some Kimberly Clark could yield. We got, maybe we ought to buy some Ford Motor Credit paper. Once he said no to Kimberly Clark, I said Ford Motor Credit was great. That point, great credit. And he said, do you know who I am? I, I'm a Fed president. I buy treasuries, and that's all I will ever buy. Hmm. And do not insult the office. Well, Robert Kaplan also worked at Goldman Sachs. 
and it may be that in part that informs him and or also has an, uh, uh, brings his affinity for investing in the equity the markets, stocks, right? Some good positions. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he Look, was a I, senior I member of that firm. Kaplan's terrific, but may, and times have changed. But I do know that, it, obviously, Drew Scrutiny wouldn't be talking about it. But I think that disclosure cures. So maybe you think I'm contradictory, but I do know that I got screamed at by a Fed official for even thinking about buying Ford Motor Credit. It was a long time ago. Different world. It was a long time ago. Before, before CEOs took to Twitter to chastise the SEC. It's well, different, they need to, different times, Jim. SEC needs to be schooled. Uh, I mean, didn't Musk? Yeah. Yeah. What an insult. <laughs> Uh, we will get south trading with Jim in a moment. For the now, uh, for the moment, Dow's up 16. Don't go anywhere. Time for Kramer and stop trading. People want to automate repetitive behavior, and what you do at the office is you is you bring in UiPath, and uh, UiPath is a very expensive stock. They reported last night, and it looks like people are upset that the company's guidance wasn't that good. I say, give me a break. This is a big Kathy Woodney. and it is an excellent company. And I think that at a certain point, even though it's very expensive. I think people are going to come back to it. So don't give up the ship if you own UiPath. All right. Sure. How about tonight? Okay, so got Cleveland Cliffs. Absolutely. And then, you know, one of the unsung stories that people just refuse to talk about, I don't know why, is Signet. Uh, Jenna Drozos, this is one of the best. SIG, look at this stock. If anyone wants to look at a chart, just look at that. And then, uh, Tunnel Weingarten, this is Sentinel One, one of the companies that does artificial intelligence, cybersecurity. It's also been a rocket ship. And, David, you probably remember Letter S. I do. Well, being Sprint. I do remember that well, as well. that stock did a lot to go down. Tomar, is- Tomar did join us when they, when they went public. I thought it was the first time. No. Was it? A no. second time on CNBC? Second time, yeah. Second time. But that's all right, because then he'll be with you the third time and the fourth time and the fifth I'm time. I'm a competitive guy. I lined up some time. people when I was in Italy. You won't believe it. I bet. Blow look- your socks. For our show. No. Oh. No. Evening show. <laughs> Speaking of which, Mad Money with Jim Cramer, 6 p.m. Eastern time. We'll see you then, Jim. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.